What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Samson Strength Coach Collective. I'm your host, Anthony Grasso. Today, we are joined by James Baker, who is the Assistant Director of Strength and Conditioning at Dartmouth College up in New Hampshire. Uh, James and I go way back. We, were, uh, we crossed paths when we were both at UConn together, and he's got some great insight today. We're really going to talk about um, a few things, but one, one we really start to focus on here is uh, how to step back and, and detach and be composed in times of stress, obviously, specifically when it comes to handling a lot of the tasks that strength and conditioning coaches are demanded to handle all at once uh, and be being able to kind of zoom out, see big picture and be able to be focused in the moment, stay com calm and composed and have that emotional regulation, uh, along with his you know, experiences and how things have changed in the industry from when he was an intern to where he's at now. Um, so yeah, enjoy this podcast and uh, we'll get you guys going. Have a great day. All right. What's going on, James? How are we doing today, brother? Um, so, yeah, like you were saying, man, we're, you know, I don't know how you feel about this whole like daylight savings time thing or whatever, but like, that's why like I'm, I'm literally in my like office space or whatever, but it's like, I have this window here is angled at a certain angle that like eventually I'll say within the next like 30 to 40 minutes, like I'm gonna start losing daylight and it's only 3 PM. You know what I mean? It's just like, mm -hmm. I like it. Be, I like it being a little like lighter earlier in the day kind of deal. You know what I mean? But um, ultimately like at the same time, like I need some sunlight at like, to, at least give me, give me till like 5 PM. I went outside the other day at 5 yeah. PM. It was pitch dark. I mean, it's like, it's dark out there. Yeah. It's, it's tough when you're leaving work every day and it's already dark and it's only 4 PM, 4 30. Especially up here when it's cold, it's like oh, double whammy. It's 10 degrees when you leave the leave the weight room here and, and it's already pitch black out. Dude, I don't, yeah. So, well, so that's a, that's a good lead in right there. Right. So obviously we're, we're talking here with, with James Baker and your assistant training coach at Dartmouth and you're up in the woods, right? They call it the woods. Is that, I'm assuming it is. It's, still, it's the woods, right? So um, yeah. Tell, tell us a little bit about yourself and obviously we can get into your situation there at Dartmouth. We had, sure. like you said, Spencer on here before and um, yeah, I'd actually know a few athletes and obviously a few people, like I know Jamie was obviously there with you. Um, and then, uh, you know, do you know what James McCarthy by any chance, you know, James, he's on a football team there. Well, he's not anymore. Uh, he's mm. a coach. He's like a, he's like like a, he's like sort of like a, a coach kind of deal like sort of like ga type uh situation yeah i recently mm -hmm. stopped playing i want to say he's like a, probably a junior there now or maybe a senior actually James yeah if, uh, if i saw a picture i probably would recognize him definitely yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a pretty recognizable dude well next time you come yeah. across a james mccarthy tell him tell him aunt said hello and uh he'll, he'll, he'll probably give a, a decent little chuckle he uh <laughs> we have a we have a pool basketball uh, like an annual pool basketball thing we do where it's like him and like two other dudes I used to coach when uh when they were when they were in high school we just uh and we just get after it. it's like two on two like no rules just there's no fouls obviously because it's pool basketball it's violent it's violent it and, is. He's, oh. and he is an absolute like force like it's it's a problem like it's a problem and he gets better every year and to the point where like this list past year wasn't even all that competitive. You know what I mean? I'm just kind of like, all right, like this dude's getting taller, he's getting longer, his rebounding skills are getting better. And then, you know, whatever I'm doing underneath the water is unfazing, is not phasing him. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, anyway. So everybody, James, welcome. Appreciate you hopping on. Um, yeah. Tell, tell us your story, man. Take this, take us, take us back in the day, see where this whole thing started and, and where you're at now. For sure. Uh, first of all, just, Thanks for having me. This is this is awesome, and, and it's nice for us to catch up. I was thinking back to the last time we really talked. It was, it was probably back at UConn when we were there together, and right? The, the good old days back there. Um, yeah, but, the good uh, old days. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, no, I think it was. I think it was UConn. Yeah, for sure. Because yeah. you left. You left like right before I left, right? Because you went to Dartmouth right before I left. I think it was around yeah. that time. So yep. yeah, yeah. I got 
the job up here right after right after um, the end of the the school year there. Cool. So, cool. but but yeah, my so my my kind of uh, uh, track to to strength conditioning. I was um, uh, played hockey all my life um, and and got introduced to training when I was playing junior hockey. Um, up until junior hockey, I'd only really, I mean if someone had some weights in their, their basement, their, you know, a friend's basement or something, that was the extent of our training. And we just, we threw together whatever we, we saw someone else doing or something. Uh, but I had no real structured training until I got to junior hockey. And that was my first real introduction. And, and I just loved it. It was, I mean, finally, like something I'm, I'm a very analytical uh, person. Like I need structure and, and to have something like that laid out, like, you know, this is, this is the puzzle and here's how we put the pieces together kind of thing. That, that was my thing. That was my thing. Um, so that got me interested in it. And then I found out, Oh, you can do this as a job. This is awesome. Um, so I went to UConn. Um, I didn't know what, what the title of, you know, that, that, um, program or what strength and conditioning was. So I actually enrolled in athletic training first thinking, Oh, <laughs> training athletes. Yeah, of course. And then, and then I started doing the classes and, and they put me in observation hours and I realized I'm in the athletic training room, not in the weight room. And I switched over real quick, like two <laughs> yeah. weeks, two weeks in, I was, I was like, no, this isn't, isn't yeah. what I wanted. That was and the I quickest realized. major transfer they ever had. At it was, <laughs> it was, I went to, went and talked to Dr. Kramer, uh, and, and got switched over there. And, and, um, uh, so I did undergrad at, at UConn, um, and then uh, went into the private sector, actually, right after uh, undergrad. I was in the private sector for four years, worked at a, a, a performance gym near my home in, in um, Connecticut and uh, did that for four years. I worked with everything from middle school, high school, college, professional athletes to, um, you know, your weekend warriors and, and um, soccer moms and uh, nice. my boss's grandmother. I mean, everything I got. <laughs> the full gambit of, of, uh, experience with different kinds of clientele and stuff. So, um, but that really just solidified the fact that I really wanted to be in athletics. I loved working with the athletes. So, um, that's when I, I, um, uh, started looking into, uh, grad school. Um, and, and at the time it was still, uh, Springfield college number one. And, um, so, uh, actually I, I applied, didn't get in and went to Dr. Thompson and it was like, what do I need to do? How do I, how do I make this happen? Um, and I needed to go do some other, you know, internships and things like that. And so went and interned back at UConn um, with Mo Butler and Joel DeMarco and, and Chris West, everybody there. Um, and then, uh, then reapplied, got in and, and started my process with um, uh, my time at, at Springfield College uh had an amazing amazing experience there not only the the you know the experience you get at Springfield College but then the the internships and things that that get yeah. opened up being there I mean that was when I interned with uh Holy Cross and and Ollie and Quinnipiac and B um and uh and then was a GA there and then got a um, job right out of the right out of the gates from there at back at UConn. So it was, it was really surreal, like a full circle thing, yeah. Going undergrad UConn internship job. Um, and then I was there for, for one year, uh, before I, um, uh, got the job up here at, at Dartmouth and, and I've been here ever since. So, uh, this is my fourth year at Dartmouth. 
Um, and um, right now my, my role is uh, 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 associate director. Oh, no, excuse me, assistant director, assistant director. Okay. Yeah, we, have, yeah. we have some different titles here that, yes. uh, but assistant director of strength conditioning. Um, so I'm in charge of uh, women's rugby, uh, equestrian, sailing, and um, and then I assist with football, where my main responsibility is the young guys. Yeah. Um, and then I have some other administrative duties and stuff like that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's an amazing, amazing place up here. I mean, m- my wife and I were both big outdoors people, so this is this is amazing for us. Something we we've loved, and and just having the access to all the different outdoor activities and stuff has yeah. been amazing too. So. Um, you had to get, we had to get used to the winters, no doubt. We had to get used to the winters. Uh, once it's, once it snows up here, it doesn't go away until, uh, springtime. And then uh, when it does, it turns to mud, but you're, you're, you just, exactly, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) So so you're, you're from Connecticut. So I mean, the winter, the winter, they're that different. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like you get a snowstorm in Connecticut. And a couple of weeks later, it'll get warm enough that everything goes away, Yeah, you know, melts. Uh, but up here, it's it's like when I drove in this morning, it was 17 degrees. Yeah. Um, and once it's that kind of starts, it's it's there for good. Like we played football. Uh, we had our last game this past weekend and, and had to clear the field of snow before Dang. we could play. Um, so it was it was just, you know, and it's something we, we pride ourselves on that that um, grit of being in the woods. Like when you yeah. come up here to, to play us, you better be ready because you're coming to the woods, like lacrosse is in, in the uh, spring, their first games, there's, you got to clear the snow or sometimes it'll start <laughs> snowing in the middle of a game. And, yeah. you know, you have teams that come here and, and they're, they're a little caught off guard by it. And, and, you know, it's, it's uh, definitely something we, we pride ourselves in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, I mean, that is the woods. Yeah. I can imagine it's like, uh, yeah, like spring, the spring semester is, uh, it's a very loose term, right? Like it's like the spring semester is just like, yeah, like, no, we're still in the middle of winter. And then like late spring is just basically like extended winter kind of like phasing into like what would be the the beginning of the spring. I mean, it's just like, cause we went up to, uh, we went up to, where we go like loon, loon, is it loon mountain, loon Loon, Loon mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and it was like in the, I mean, you're like out there, you're like in the mountains, right? Like there's, there's like a good, like few miles that you're, you're driving where you're like, man, if something goes wrong here, like we're in a tough spot. Like we don't have any, there are no resources <laughs> out here. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, yeah. And I'm trying to, but yeah, but beautiful, like unreal up there. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. for anybody who hasn't, you know, visited New Hampshire, at least been like up in the mountains or up in the woods or just kind of like been around there. But I, I agree. It was, it was, it was like late spring. So like we were around there, but it was like, you know, there's still like the snow is kind of like slushy and stuff like that, but it was, a, yeah. it was a great experience. I mean, it was beautiful up there though. It's fantastic. But yeah, no, dude, that's, that's yeah. awesome. Like congratulations. Uh, so what, it, so what is the official title again? Is assist, assistant director of athletic performance or something along those lines? Assistant, assistant director of strength and conditioning. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And those, those, teams you're working with obviously i'm assuming you know love working with you obviously you were always like one of the most vibrant you know just super personable dudes you know especially when i first met you i was kind of because you don't know like what you're going to get when you work in college training conditioning right like we talk like personalities right they they definitely they definitely hit the spectrum you know what i mean it's just like a wide range of of personalities across the board but it was always like comforting i see you walking over like all right cool like i know i know what's up you know what i mean james is cool he's Mm -hmm. cool he's good people you know what i mean but yeah congratulations on that and obviously like you said you you know you just bought a house you and your wife i mean so and when, when did you get married like when did did, did you get were you married at UConn did I miss that or is that like no what? no we were we were dating so uh okay. and then we when we moved well I moved up to um 
up to New Hampshire here first. It was up here for a year and then um, she moved up. Uh, it was the beginning of COVID. We bought or uh, got a, an apartment right at the beginning of COVID. It was wild. Like we were, we were lucky we got a place. It was like, just, yeah. just so it just happened perfectly. Um, and then, um, yeah, we were actually, uh, it was, oh, I'm going to get in trouble for this. Uh, August, <laughs> August 3rd. Well, we'll edit out the hesitation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. August 3rd. Cause it was her birthday. August 2nd is her birthday. Um, and August 3rd, I proposed, uh, during a hike up in the white mountains on nice. top of Mount Lafayette. Um, and, uh, and then, um, yeah, we were, I mean, we were one of those weddings that was interrupted by COVID as well. And, and luckily we, we didn't push things back. Um, but yeah, we were, we were lucky to, to be able to go through with it. It, you know, we had to downsize our, our wedding a little bit and stuff, but, um, yeah. And then, um, so yeah, we've, we, uh, had our, uh, our, um, uh, uh, the house was, was the next big one. So, well, yeah. first we got a dog. It was the dog. Oh, that's uh, the biggest. Uh, yeah, for sure. Gotta get a dog. dog. <laughs> and then, uh, the house and, and now she's, she's actually, uh, four months pregnant too. So what? Dude, what a whole lot on? going on. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, so it's been, it's been a while. You've been busy, man. I haven't, <laughs> it's been a while since we chatted for sure, man. You've been, you've been, you've been getting after it. All right. So yeah. So a new house, that whole, newest you know new promotion new job new dog uh obviously you got married now you're having a kid so you said uh she's four months pregnant you, you know you're having a boy or a girl don't know yet okay know you, yet. so you're just gonna wait to find out that's that's the old school way. uh we're gonna we're gonna find out actually right after um thanksgiving we have the, oh, okay. the next appointment um but we're gonna keep that one a secret yeah for, for sure yeah so. no we won't we won't put that on the podcast <laughs> but that's awesome man congratulations that's sweet. thank you life convention thank fast you. man that's crazy it, that, it that was probably the most like comprehensive like because usually like i you know i like to lead off the podcast with having people tell their story whatever. that was probably the most like <laughs> like intense like <laughs> like time span you know as far as the timeline of like yeah so like i was working in the private sector right and then it's like now i'm having a kid yeah it's, it's, it's yeah, just yeah. a quick 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 yeah. turnaround so so i guess the they whole would, personal and, and career oh trajectory yeah like there. everything yeah. everything is, is moving moving fast and how how old are you now if you don't mind me asking uh 34 34 okay all right yep. so yeah it's all it's all coming together at the right time solid yeah uh, which yep. i get if there is if there is a right time not for anybody who's you know 34 because I'm, I'm looking the trajectory i'm on right now i'm looking to be 34 and probably single you know what i mean and like not not have all those things so like you know for anybody else who's all along that journey with me you know what i mean like we're you know stay golden we're good but keep doing your thing but uh yeah, yeah. in terms of like you know societal timelines of what seems to be appropriate right like it seems like you're on, a, on the right it's, path it's, <laughs> everything has changed so much like you know everybody's got their own trajectory for everything nowadays yeah, it's I know. Like, you know and so, so where in connecticut are you, are you from originally uh i'm from mystic connecticut southeast oh. corner right yeah. by rhode island there um and right along uh, the water yeah yep yep yeah. so okay. um i spent about uh, i don't know you could say like half my childhood in connecticut and the other half i was in um, san diego california so oh, I'm really? like a west coast east coast kid um i spent the first half till i was 14 in san diego and then the other half in, in Mystic. 
That's so, wild. So, been, so that's really interesting. That's a wild split because I mean, those are like two polar opposites, right? Like you're from like, well, not like, oh, yeah. I mean, both on the water, obviously like Mystic, Connecticut, nice, like great, great spot. If you have anybody like gets a chance to visit Mystic, they got to, definitely a nice little like area there, but mm-hmm. uh, San Diego, where I recently went to San Diego for the first time, we did like a brother's trip out to San Diego and it was like, I mean, you want to talk about like culture shock for me. Like, I was like, what are you, what's everyone doing? Oh, yeah. Like I kept asking my cousin, I'm like, I don't really understand. Like, where is everyone going? And like, what is everyone doing? No, no one seems to be like doing anything, but everybody looks like they're having a great time. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm not really sure like what goes on out here. You know, and he just laughs. He's like, yeah, man, this is not the East coast. Like everyone's just kind of chilling. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, no, it, it seems like that. But uh, it, it, so was there a, was Mike's tacos there when you were like right on right in ocean beach? Is there, is there a Mike? I think it's called oh, Mike's tacos. They got the steak and know. shrimp Cali out there. Steak and shrimp Cali. They put like know. French fries in their burritos or whatever. Fantastic. Oh. Craziest things I've ever had. Probably one of the biggest things I missed from from San Diego is the hole in the wall uh, Mexican yeah. shops. Like it was the Mexican uh, food's unreal. Unreal food from this little tiny place. Like it was, it, you know, literally we had we had a a, a main strip near our, our um, house that had uh, five different taco shops, and they yeah. were all doing amazing business. And you go to different ones at different times. Like it would, and everybody had their own, like, Oh no, you got to go to this one or you got to go to this one, you know, kind yeah. of thing. But I miss, I miss those places probably the most. The, the Mexican food out here is not the same. Yeah. It's not the same. It's it, dumb. No, dude, definitely not the same. But if, uh, well, so I guess it kind of leads me into like a good question would be, you know, cause typically I like, I like to try to figure out, right. Especially when you interview somebody who's in their thirties, right. Like, if I have young listeners, right, which I assume obviously some of the people listening to this are, you know, mm-hmm. in their initial stages of, of coming up, it's like, all right, so you went from like, you know, like you said, like intern, kind of like trying to figure out and like make sense of this whole thing to I have a solidified spot, you know, I'm in a good spot here at Dartmouth right now. I'm like, you know, you're, you're taking on things like, you know, the the personal life tasks of obviously getting married and having children, right, and, and trying to solidify yourself in this career. So now, like at 34, like if you can reflect a little bit, right, where where do you see kind of like, all right, I've had this timeline of events and this, this journey that I've been on, at least up to, to this date, right? What do you think some of the biggest takeaways are that you have in terms of like where you were when you first started to mm-hmm. where you're at now, right? In terms of providing some of that information for some of the younger people coming in this industry, because everyone's take yeah. is different, right? And even people yep. who do the same things well, do them well in different ways, right? So it's like, I'd, I'd really love to hear from you on like, yeah, like here I am, this is where I'm at. It's surreal. But it's mm-hmm. like, wow, like here's here's how I got here. Right. When you when you're really able to kind of like take it in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when I was in the private sector, it was um, it, w- it was a uh, heavily influenced by Boyle. And so our the structure, our training, everything was very much, you know, you're going to do your everything from the warm up to to how the whole layout of the facility was was very Boyle. It was like. You know how you can you can get those almost like a prefab uh, boil uh, experience where they come in and redo your weight room and everything like this was before that time, but it looked just like that. So, you know, we had our, our structure. You're going to come in, warm up. You're going to do your foam rolling and then uh, we're going to do our mobility, then our activation. And then we're going to do our slow dynamic, fast dynamic, blah, 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 you know, um, explosive work and, and so on and stuff. So it was that was what I knew for um as far as like real um, structured training, because in undergrad, it's, it's, you know, well, here's how the muscle works. Here's how the alpha motor neuron connects and all this stuff. Like, you know, it's, it's the um, nitty gritty of, of the physiology, but like now it's practical application. 
in in the um, in the private sector. That was that was what I learned, and that was that was what I was brought up on. Um, and so then, when I went to intern at UConn, it was really different in this big setting where you're training whole teams. I was used to small group training. So um, the first big wake up was I can't do things the same way I did them in in the private sector the way you do in a big group training um, realm. Um, you just don't have the um, the time one-on-one -on -one as much as you would like in, in the big groups in, in college and stuff, you know, unless you're training like a, a golf or something. But, you know, when you're working with football, you got 70 guys, you need to make sure that you are able to be as efficient as possible. So that means things like, you know, are your, your um, supersets going to have three highly um, coaching intensive exercises in them? Probably not. You're going to have maybe one uh, and the other two are going to be ones that they can't mess up. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and it's going to be, uh, whereas in the private setting, it was, you know, I'm a, you could have three, two or three, maybe very highly coach and coaching uh, intensive exercises in a, in a superset uh, because you could be right on top of your athletes more. Um, whereas, you know, when, when I've got to look, you know, 50 yards down the weight room to see someone's hinge uh, it's a little harder to coach and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, so uh, that was, that was one of the big wakeups and, and that was one of the big things I learned from my internship at UConn was how to do, how to um, cater your, your uh, programming to the bigger groups and mm. stuff like that. And how do you control big groups? How do you teach big groups? Things like that. So um, that was, that was probably the, the biggest thing I got uh, to start at UConn when, when I did my internship there yeah. um, and, and stuff like that. So, uh, and then uh, in grad school, it was, um, it was the, the different internships I had each had kind of, you know, a different experience and stuff like that. Um, but um, the, the first one I had was with Ollie at, at at Holy Cross. Um, yeah. And there it was seeing Ollie uh, and his relationships with his athletes. It was like nothing I'd ever like really seen before. I mean, he, you know, his, his, his programming was, was, was great, but his relationships were like the, the highlight, um, you know, being able to talk to the guys, girls, um, and have that, that relationship with them was, was amazing. And, and they would do anything he asked any, you know, if he wanted to try a new exercise, even if it was wild and off the wall, man, they would go a hundred percent because it was Ollie and, and they knew that, you know, he cared and he loved them and, and that, and that, that stuff. So, you know, yeah. that, that was a big one. So, you know, that's where I just kind of made sure that I was always, always um, fostering relationships. Yeah, well, it's staying with with Ali and obviously your take because that that is a major takeaway, right? I think everybody who works with Ali is like like says the same thing, right? Like is the, mm -hmm. the personal connection. So like, how? I mean, I'm I'm sure there's a zillion different ways, right? And it's it's tough to create like a construct or like some sort of like rigid protocol as to how you go about doing that. But what were yeah. some of the things that you noticed that he did really well that helped cultivate those relationships? Like, what were some of the Thing, like you know what I mean if you if you could really kind of pinpoint like a few things yeah. like oh wow this is what he does really well and this is why yeah. these guys will run through a wall for him yeah yeah it was it was it, everything from the way he he um uh greeted them when they walked in the room it was like handshake you know look in the eye uh you know how you doing and, and genuine it was so genuine like yeah. how are you doing you know and guys would tell them you know oh 
it's not a good day, not a good day. He's like, okay, well, I hope, I hope we can make it better here. You know, that kind of thing. And, and, um, and, and the guys would just love being able to see him and, and chat with him before or after lift and, and things like that. And he's just very genuine, very genuine guy. Tell you how it is. Um, and he'll tell you if he, you know, if he, if you've got a problem and, and he's got an answer, he'll, he'll also tell you if he doesn't have an answer, he's like, I don't know, but you know, we could talk through this together, you know, yeah. kind of thing. So, yeah. um, but yeah, probably everything from the way he greeted him to, you know, making sure that, that he was the last one to say goodbye to him when they left too. Yeah. So. It is interesting. It's like, uh, as you're like describing that I'm, I'm sort of like visualizing a scenario where, and Ali, whether younger or older, whatever, is like in the weight room, right? And he's shaking the hands of the athletes who are coming in and asking them like how they're doing. And I would imagine that that comes from like this deeper construct of wanting to make an impact, right? Like, I think that that's probably what we're all trying to do. And you'll hear it all the time. Like, I want to yeah. have a big impact. I want to make an impact. And like, mm -hmm. no doubt, like, I think we all do. But then it's like, you know, I think, I think when I, when I see that and I think about like what you're describing, I'm thinking to myself, well, that's coming from like a deeper place where it's like, yeah, he genuinely is thinking to himself, probably maybe not. I'm putting words in his mouth, but he's probably thinking like when I'm long gone, like I want people to be able to look at me as somebody who was like, Hey, I, you know, regardless of all the workouts we did, I just remember like they can, they can kind of like visualize Ollie's smile, like in their mind, you know what I mean? And still see it and see somebody, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I would imagine that like, that's, that's probably it. Right. You know what I mean? Like sure. being able to like search deep enough to be able to say, all right, here's what I, here's what I know I need to do in order to try to leave a lasting impact or some sort of legacy that people are, are interested in worth, you know, interested in, and obviously, um, you know, being a part of, and then obviously carrying on once I'm long gone, is that kind of, you know, the, the approach that you've taken a little bit or like kind of like picked up on from, cause obviously, like I said, you've got a natural personality, right? Like you're really personable. You're just a good dude overall. So it's like, does that, is that something that you've kind of like been able to shape, you know what I mean? Like being able to bring that side of you, out a little bit more in terms of your, your ability to connect with some of the athletes you're working with as you've gotten older. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and it's something that I've, I've strived to do. It's something um, I've, I've always been conscious of, like, how am I, how am I um, maybe being perceived in, in this moment with my athletes um, based on where they're at, if it's, you know, if it's the middle of midterms or finals, um, and where am I at? Am I, you know, am I stressed out because I got, you know, stuff going on personally or something? Do I need to make sure to check myself so that I can be present with them and, and be in a, a situation, um, mentally that, that I can, um, actually genuinely tell them, how are you doing and, and be able to listen to them. And, um, you know, that's something I've tried to do every time they, my athletes come in, it's, they'll probably tell you, Hey, he's going to ask you how you're doing or in some way or another, I, I, I try to dress it up and have fun with it. Sometimes like I'll be, Hey, uh, you know, Jenna on a scale of one to 10, where are you at today? Mm. You know? And they'll be like, um, I'm a six. I'm like, okay. Any, <laughs> any, any, any idea why it's just six or, you know, or something like that, you know, or maybe, maybe I know from the day before they were a four and, and a six is great. I'll be like, that's, that's awesome. Hey, let's keep it, keep it going. You know, if they're 10, it's like, oh, all right. Why, why a 10? What's, what's going on in life? Stuff yeah. like that. If, if they're like a two, it's, you know, it's a different conversation. Um, but it's a, that's, that's a, a fun way to try to try to figure out where they're at at that yeah. point. Um, or uh, one of my other ones is like, 
hey, what's, I think this was a actually when I got from B was, hey, one word to describe the day. What is it? And they'll, they'll, you know, and if they say great, I'm like, nope, not good enough. Give me something more descriptive or something. And then they, then they realize, oh, he wants something like really, you know, deep or something like that, you know, or, or, yeah. or just more descriptive of how are you doing, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause everybody asks, how are you doing? And everybody goes, oh, I'm good. Good. You? Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, find ways of, of really teasing out how they're doing. And, and, and it gives me, you know, I can ask a, a few of the athletes and, and get a, a picture of maybe the group as a whole too. Um, you know, how, how are we feeling today? You know, things like that. Um, you know, do we, are we, are we sore? Is everybody hurting? Is everybody sore? Did, you know, you know, we had a game Saturday, Monday lift. Uh, are we hurting? Are we sore? Are we pretty good? That kind of thing. And gives me an idea of, you know, maybe if I want to adjust things too. Um, or, you know, if they're feeling great, that, that might also be an adjustment if, you know, Hey, let's, let's take advantage of this. If you're feeling good today, let's get after it a little bit more kind of thing. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it, but it starts with, with genuinely wanting to know how they're doing. Yeah. Stuff, so. Yeah. What, um, and I guess like that would kind of leave me my next question is like, if you were to flip that, Right. Like, cause the reality is, I guess, especially us as coaches, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of things you're dealing with, right. And anybody listening to this podcast, who isn't a coach, you know, I, I think it goes without saying, right. Like there's, there's a lot on the plate of a strength coach or anybody who really works in athletics, right. Like from, you know, administrators, sports staff, sport coaches, sports medicine, whatever it is. I mean, there's a lot um, going on. And even when there isn't a lot going on, it, it's almost like the, the silence or the quiet is almost like deafening because it, like, it becomes, it becomes so loud when you start thinking about all of the things you could potentially be doing to make yeah. the experience better for when those students do come back. Right. Like it's like, mm-hmm. like, you know, downtime or whatever. I know you guys obviously work in a little bit different schedule than a, you know, typical division one, uh, setting, but it's like, I mean, I just remember those times where it'd be like, okay, downtime of the year. Cool. Like you clean up some things, but then you're like, this isn't enough. I could do more. I want more. Oh yeah. You're anticipating the wheels are spinning. So there's, there's a lot on the plate, but you know, more so really just kind of getting into like how you approach those days where you don't have it right. Where you might be on a three or a four out of 10. And although those days may be few and far between for a James Baker, right? Like when, you know, there are, there are those days, right. Where you maybe, I mean, it might not even be a whole day. It could just be a moment. You might've just fresh gotten out of a, a conversation with a, a coach who gave you some information or some feedback, or you had a conversation that you weren't necessarily thrilled about. Right. And now you've got to kind of switch gears a little bit and you've got to understand, right. Like what's coming next. Okay. I've got a team coming in here in five minutes and I'm definitely thinking about some other things and some things that I'd like to say and some things that I want to kind of, you know, construct and um, fix. Right. Um, How do you, how do you go about handling those things? And I'm sure there's not one specific blueprint. Right. But like, have you been in those moments? And obviously if you have, like, how, how, how do you figure out ways to really just like come across as, cause I feel like I'm, I feel like we're in an interview now, right. Where it's like, Oh, what was the most recent, uh, you know, adversity that you faced and how did you, <laughs> how did you handle it? Right. But those, those questions are interesting. And I think what they're really trying to say is like, Hey, do you have emotional regulation skills? Because if you don't, then you probably can't work here. Right. You know what I mean? And, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Maybe not so much in, 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 you know, most circumstances, it seems to be in like college football or whatever. It's like, Oh, you have, you have no emotional regulation. You're perfect for this job, actually. We would love to have you. Right? So it's like, what you know, and you, assuming that you know the interviewer, right? And obviously, that's what we're kind of looking for here is like ways to be more composed, make better sound decisions. Obviously, with a you know a strong frame of mind, and and to obviously be calm and composed in times of distress, right? Like, how do you approach those situations where you come across those? Yeah, well, I 
comes back to just being able to recognize when you are in that state or when you are in, in, in a position where, you know, your personal life or other things within uh, athletics at the moment are, are affecting your ability to be a coach. And you got to recognize it first before you can change it kind of yeah. thing. Um, and so uh, I've become much more aware of my, um, my mental state before I go into a lift. Um, like you said, you could have a, 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 a you know, chat with a coach and, and the last thing you want to be doing is replaying that conversation in your head during the lift and, and miss someone, you know, miss a coaching opportunity or something like that, because you're re you're rehashing that conversation you just had. Um, so um, I think recognizing first and then uh, being able to take a breath and compartmentalize whatever's going on. Um, and uh, thankfully I've, I've, you know, had the experience coaching where I can, I can put, put stuff away and, and focus in for that hour. And, and um, you know, it's really like, sometimes I've, I've thought about it as like uh, when we were playing sports as a, you know, like I could have all sorts of stuff going on in life, but in hockey, as soon as that first hit happened and I was in the game, like yeah. as soon as I blow that whistle and call everybody up, like you're in the game, you're in the game and you, 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 you have to compartmentalize um, and then be able to uh, sort of like recenter yourself when you find yourself getting um, distracted or, or taken away from the present. So like they're, I mean, we've all had them. You're, you're coaching and, and you remember that thing that you have to do after lift, you know, whether it's, I don't know, go to the grocery store or something like that. And you're, you're like, I got to remember to do this or do that. And, and, and then recognize like, okay, I got to step back and, and stay present in this moment. And, and, um, you know, also don't let it get to you that you just got distracted at the same time. Cause that, yeah. that can take you down a whole rabbit hole. Of, it does. It's of, like a domino effect. It's like, Oh, you, like, you notice the fact that you just got distracted. And then you're like, now I'm noticing, like, I'm alarmed at the fact that I'm still getting distracted about this thing. Maybe it's bigger, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's bigger yeah. than I think. You know what I mean? Well, not necessarily the groceries thing, although I do get pretty worked up about going to the grocery store. It's a, it's a pretty exciting time uh, going yep. to farmer's markets and all that kind of stuff. But like, you know, it, it, obviously I'm thinking, I'm thinking of those moments where you're like, you know, I mean, it could be, you know, coach could be an athlete where, you know, you just kind of got gut checked a little bit, right? Like somebody maybe like question. And obviously we all, we all have ego, you know what I mean? For anybody who's like worked with me, obviously, like, I think when I use the term ego, I'm not saying that like, you know, I'm going into a room in the next room and I'm like banging my head up against the wall because somebody like asked me why I programmed RDLs instead, you know what I mean? Or something like that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking more so about the, the pride aspect. Like, I think, I think the danger in what we do is because of the fact that we spend so much time, energy, effort, thought right like and, and over not just over the course of like the you know the day or the weeks but like the years right mm -hmm. the more invested we become the tougher it is to obviously stay objective when it comes to anything like that so a coach comes to you and is like hey well, listen yeah. i'm having a, this particular issue with this athlete i don't necessarily love the way they're performing on the field or the court or the ice whatever um you know they use, they can make, use some general terms right ones that like kind of like a, a super like reductionist approach to like describing right and, and analyzing the athlete um yep. and through no fault of their own right they just might be the words of the verbiage they they're, they're understanding or they're, they're used to right um mm -hmm. but it summarizes like a large group of qualities into very like very small amount of words right and it's like a quick like two to three minute conversation or even if that right and so now it's like okay now i'm in that lift and i'm starting to question I'm like dang do i suck what did i do wrong 
could I have done something better? How did I, what should I have said in that conversation to actually start to like combat some of the things that are said? Like, do I need to set up a different time to speak about this thing? How do I go to a project? Like all these things are running through your mind. And it's, it's, it's almost like unhealthy, right? Because like I said, like the more time and energy and effort you put into that, you know, the tougher it is to stay objective and just sort of like detach from that in the moment. And it's really difficult. I'm not saying that it isn't something that's possible. Of course it is. It's the idea, right? Like detach, be able to kind of be in the moment and give your, give your best to the athletes that you're obviously working with at that particular point in time. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, I would be lying if I said it wasn't difficult. You know what I mean? You want to solve that. You want to nip things in the butt right then and there, because you want to continue along that trend of I'm having a solid day and I want yeah. this solid day to continue. And I'm not going to let you kind of mess with my day kind of thing. So um, yeah. Yeah. Like, is there, is there sort of like any sort of like mechanisms that you use when you're like in those moments and you notice you're in those moments, are you, are you able to just kind of like reset, think big picture, zoom out? And like, how do you, how do you go about getting there? Cause I think it's like it's one thing to identify like the um it's one thing to identify that like that's happening and it's one thing to identify like the issues with that but I mm-hmm. still don't think that even identifying it makes it easier for you to like overcome it you know what I mean I almost think it's like it, there's still a separate sure. like piece to that right sure. yeah yeah it's it's you know okay I can identify the problem but if I can't solve it you know mm-hmm. I've still got work to do kind of thing um yeah. you know sometimes it'll be like I'll step back in the weight room and, and like actually literally step away from like the racks and just take a breath for a second mm. and, 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 you know, just take in the whole, whole setting team, whatever, um, athletes, um, and, and really try to focus in on, you know, maybe, maybe it's some of the exercises that we're doing, um, like literally go through my head. Okay. We're doing RDLs and we're going to do rows and we're doing, Palaf press, whatever, you know, uh, might be going on something that, that is, that brings me back to the present, um, and, and helps put those other things, you know, compartmentalized for, for now. Um, and, but the breath thing is huge. That one's a big one. Like just step away, take a breath, you know, and, and then come back to it, you know, take, take that moment to, to recognize what's going on, where you're, what you're feeling. And then, and then, um, recenter yourself because, you know, happens to everyone i mean it, i got got checked when i was in in grad school by one of our interns and he was like my end of end of the term evals from the interns that i was you know trying to teach and coach and everything and and they said that you know we could i could tell when when you were um stressed out and or uh on edge or upset and it showed and i was like wow okay <laughs> that's something i need to I need to, to work on and, and, and stuff like that, because that's the last thing, if they can see it, your, your athletes can see it too. So, um, you know, yeah, like you said, the gut check thing, it can come out of nowhere and you got to be able to turn on a dime and, and get back to, you know, the present and what you're doing and stuff like that. So, uh, but yeah, take the breath, (laughs) focus on something tangible within that moment that you can, you know, see, feel, hear, um, you know, something sensory that, that helps you just get centered again Um, and and that that'll get you a long way to start i was gonna say yeah take take a step outside and get a nice big deep breath of 15 degree air out and uh (laughs) (laughs) that'll that'll recenter you pretty quickly it goes from a breath to a cough real fast yeah 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 yeah. you start start thinking about other things other other things become more important at that time like oh wow i need to figure out a way to survive this 15 degrees but um yeah no i I think it's a great answer and i think like you said I, i think it's i think it's difficult you know what i mean i think it is it is really tough but i think it's super important and i think there's 
there's there's moments where it's like all right i want to come across as a human to my athletes because i feel like it's like easier to connect with but at the same time i want i don't want them to see a certain human side of me right like i do want them to see me as this like formidable structure where like i am not necessarily like unbreakable but just like the ultimate professional right like somebody who really can just like handle all things at once um be able to like say because i think what what happens is right and i'm not a psychologist but like at least just like evaluating myself I start to imagine that things are happening a lot faster than they actually are, right? Like maybe you're just fresh off that conversation. But I mean, especially us as humans, we always think that everyone is thinking about us and talking about us. And it's like, you know what I mean? Like you, you do something embarrassing. You think everyone for the rest of the day is focused on that one embarrassing thing you do when no one was probably paying attention. And because everybody's much more concerned with the embarrassing thing that they did earlier in the day, right? And they think that everybody was watching them. But I think that that's something I noticed myself. I'm like, you know, once, once that issue does get resolved, because it inevitably will get resolved, like something will obviously need to come up and something will need to happen in order for whatever was mentioned, whatever, we're just, you know, talking in terms of the example of the conversation, maybe it was a conversation you didn't like, or someone said something you didn't like, it's going to get resolved. And usually when it does get resolved, you look back on the process to in the way that it got resolved in the timeline and things take time and you kind of like start to like make sense of like how everything came together and how that solution came about. And then you go, oh, okay. Like, that's how okay that's how that needed to go and okay so yeah me getting really freaked out you know five minutes post conversation was completely useless right and like obviously was deterred you know what i mean so i think it's Mm -hmm. it's one of those things i think it's got to be like okay it's all right like this is a the whole thing is a work in progress like this whole venture strength and conditioning this whole thing is a a work in progress right so never ending ending. yeah so it's like it's not like that one conversation going wrong is gonna like completely throw it off the tracks and the conversation going right isn't gonna necessarily get it right back on the tracks either you know what i mean so i think that but that's kind of that's kind of cool like it kind of leads me into my next thought would be like you know speaking of the industry right like you've got some some solid experience underneath your belt now and you and you've really got some um some thoughts and some things you've probably settled on a little bit but some things that are probably also making you a little bit more curious right like i feel like the older we get the more the less i know kind of thing but it's like where you know, where do you see, you know, this whole thing going, if you really want to talk about maybe like your experiences, specifically the ones that you thought are like really positive, mm-hmm. really some of the positive things that that strength and conditioning you think offers us as coaches, and then maybe talk about some of the, the flip side, right? Like some of the things that and I don't want to call them like negative things, because obviously we're, we're trying to get to a point where we're providing more solutions, you know, but um, mm-hmm. you know, just the, the state of, of the, the strength and conditioning industry, like some of the things that you think are going really, really right. And some things you're like, this is just not right. And this has to change. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, the one thing I'll, I'll I'm, I'm going to bring up first, it has, has two sides to the coin and that's uh, technology. Now. Um, I think yeah. we, we have a opportunity with all the technology that's out there from GPS to timing gates, to all these, these, um, uh, you know, online programming systems and stuff like that to really do, um, some great things. Um, but I think that flash can, can start to become the attractor and, and we're not, we're not focusing on the, the real meat and potatoes of what you need to do to, to actually get better when it comes to what you do in the weight room. Like, you know, you, like right now I'm, I'm reading a book about velocity-based training for weightlifting. Um, and there's no chance I'm going to have anybody, you know, uh, 
who's never trained before get into velocity-based training because it just, it's not, it's not necessary. And it's, it's not going to be something that's going to help you actually do your movements, you know, correctly with good form and stuff like that. You know, you just need to put in some work in, in the base movement patterns and stuff like that. Um, and having you, you know, do time sprints all the time uh, as a, as a middle schooler might not be the, you know, the most advantageous thing, but, you know, uh, I think there's a place for all this technology, uh, and knowing where to, to, to plug it in is going to be really important so that it doesn't detract from the real things that make that technology useful. Um, you know, like velocity-based training, like, you know, using, um, the GPS stuff and things like that. Like if you're, you know, and, uh, I don't know when in high school playing hockey, uh, a GPS unit, you you probably could do more with just an, an RPE scale of how you're feeling that day. Um, I don't need to tell you, you know, what your workloads and, and stuff like that are kind of thing. So I, I think there's a time and place for all the technology and just making sure you're, you're not over using it. And, and, you know, we're, we've all like seen that new thing that just came out and, and, and stuff like you want it, you want to use it. You know, but is it is it practical? Is it going to be efficient? Is it going to allow you to do something better than you already do it? Um, that that's one thing that I, I look at with with um, uh, you know different things that are are coming out in the field like this um, like the curvilinear sprinting stuff that is is hot now. Um, like it looks really cool. I love it. I need to find a place to put it in my programming that fits. Um, but to do that, I really like where my programs are right now. So I need to take something out or find a way to mesh it with something that I already do. So, you know, I, I, I think that the, the, the social media stuff as, you know, kind of like an offshoot of the technology piece is also, you've got to, you've got to make sure you navigate that stuff well, uh, and don't get caught up in, in what the latest fads and stuff are, but, but understand what the goal of, of these things are. And where they fit within your program, you know, if you just start doing a whole bunch of curvilinear or sprinting, but don't know why you're doing it, you know, it, it's, you're not going to get the full, full effect of it. So yeah, technology, I think is, is a, a big one and, and being able to use it in the right place at the right time with the right clientele, um, right experience level, things like that. Um, trying to think what else, you know, like when I, when I first started in, in strength conditioning, and was, was, you know, starting to learn some of the different programming styles and stuff like that. You know, everybody starts reading um, Joe Ken and the tier system and, and um, uh, you know, Louis Simmons, you know, RIP, right. uh, like, like uh, 531 and, and all this stuff. Like you just get overwhelmed with all these different ways of doing things. And, and I felt the need to, you know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do five, three, one at some point in my program. And I gotta do this at some point in my program. And then I gotta do this. And then, and then before you know it, you've got, you've got 20 different things going that don't actually lead you to the ultimate goal. Um, but you just, you feel the need to do it. And, and so, you know, as I learned more, I actually started taking stuff away and, and really honing in on, on what, what is going to make the most sense at this point in the training for the goal that I have, um, as opposed to, well, I just need to get this in somewhere because 
these people did it or that person does it, you know, kind yeah. of thing. Um, so uh, under understanding time and place for stuff too. Yeah. Um, and not overcomplicating it. Cause I, I mean, we all, I think all strength coaches have that, that path where they start to learn things. They, they go overboard with their program. They think that, you know, okay, today's lift, I just wrote, it's so complicated and complex. It's awesome. Um, and then, you know, they only get halfway through it because it's, there's too much going on. Um, so really we, we, we took a step backwards probably. And so now you, now, then you, then you learn more and you're like, okay, well, here's the things that are really important. I'm going to make sure I get those in, um, and, and you simplify your programming and, and stuff. So, you know, I, I think that's, that's a big one is, is just understanding how, uh, all these different things, uh, training styles are, are a means to, to, um, adapt to whatever your goal is and, yeah. and, and understanding that it's, it's not, you know, five, three, one is, is someone's thing. And, and, um, you know, the dynamic system and max effort is someone else's thing and, um, all that stuff. So that's, you know, triphasic, that's someone's thing. Um, if it works for you, that, then that's your, that's the thing that you need to use kind right. of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, no, that's good. That's good answer. That's good. It's I agree. And it kind of leads me into my, my last question, actually, this is kind of, the, I think it's like really like the first time I ever asked this question on a podcast, but I do want to know, and it's a little bit more subjective, obviously, but you know, you've, you've been at, uh, you've been at Dartmouth for a while now. It's like, what, what is the, what is the thing you're most proud of, right? Like being at Dartmouth, the things that you guys are accomplishing with the teams that you're accomplishing with the athletes that you work with, right? Like, obviously you just talked a bunch about what I think is, so the thing that's great about like that question is it kind of really outlines not only like what you see in terms of like the industry, but also like the, your, your outlook and your approach and your principles and the way you look at a decision-making process when it comes to any of the mm-hmm. tools that you said there at your arsenal that you're going to use. So now, you know, after you've kind of outlined those things and your thoughts on some of the you know technology pieces and then some of the different methods that can be used, what is the thing that you're, you're most proud of that you have been able to accomplish that you guys do so well at Dartmouth and, and your current experience right now at this particular time along you know Dartmouth's journey and your journey yeah yeah well uh I, I would have to preface it with one of the biggest challenges here at Dartmouth is the fact that we have the quarter system so our our athletes are I mean it, it, there's not a day that goes by that doesn't seem like they're in some kind of test because they so the quarter system it's a 10-week um term uh, about midway through they have midterms and then near the end they have they have finals and you know yeah. that's that's the, the structure but really they have quizzes they've got stuff going on so it's it's imagine you know an entire semester condensed down into 10 weeks and now you have training you know athletics on top of that and then um, uh, Greek life is here uh, huge here so most of our athletes are in some kind of Greek life academics and and just the innate um, caliber of, of student and person that we have here. They are, they are the most driven. Um, they, they are always about being, you know, the best at everything they do. So they have high expectations for themselves, um, which means they, they put as much time into all of their different endeavors that they can. Um, and the thing that gets sacrificed usually is, is, you know, taking care of their bodies as well as they could sleep, nutrition, hydration, all of those things. So I think we've done a great job of managing training to accommodate those things. Um, I know that around week four, I'm going to have a deload during midterms. Um, I know that going into finals, I'm, I'm going to have a deload because they're going to be so mentally 
um, uh, fried that that their bodies are not going to be able to handle, um, you know, high volumes or high high intensities. So uh, adapting to the the structure of Dartmouth College academics and and everything is something that we do really well here. Um, and then uh, in between terms, there's the the off weeks, whether it's between fall and winter. Now I have athletes I won't see for six weeks, and then they come back for the next 10 week cycle um, of the winter. So being strategic about what you do during that off, those off times and, and the training um, is big because, you know, I, I'm not going to give them, you know, we're, we're not going to go for one RMs uh, when I have no idea what their facility access and equipment access is like, or, you know, having a coach uh, able there to watch them. So, you know, being strategic about what you do within your training during that time um, is important. I think that's something that I had to learn real fast when I got here, um, but the coaches helped a lot and, and stuff. So, uh, but that's something that, that we do really well here is helping to manage um, what the athletes have on their plate and, and still get good quality training. I mean, I was, um, I was happy that my, so my rugby team, um, uh, you know, shameless plug here. They just won the national championship nice. uh, on Saturday. Congrats! Um, but they were, um, you know, they had finals the day before the, the match, and they had finals yesterday. So and today, so like they were going uh, 100, 110 miles an hour into finals, and then they got a 180 for this match, and then right back to finals. Um, you know, and they they were still able to perform. At, at the highest level, uh, you know, the coaches did an amazing job of managing practice and stuff. And, and we managed the weight room um, so that over the course of the last three weeks, um, almost 90% of our, of, of our ladies PR'd in their, their 10 meter sprint, which is something we do every week. So, nice. you know, that's something that we, that I use as a, as a uh, indicator of, of where they're at and stuff. So, you know, even with everything going on, we were still able to make sure that they, that they were ready uh, to the best that that their potential, the time would allow them. Um, so uh, that's something that we've had to learn to manage, and and I think is uh, have have done really well. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, it's great to hear it. Obviously, I, I'm not surprised. Obviously, like I said, it's uh, it's it's really awesome to see you know these things come full circle, and obviously where you're at now and the things you're able to accomplish. But um, I, have, I have no doubts that everybody at uh, at Dartmouth is, is is happy to have you there. Obviously, and they're and they're lucky to have you there for sure. Um, along with that, another shameless plug: Why don't you let everybody know like where they can find you on Instagram or social media, or if if you oh, want gosh. you know people to get in contact with you? I know it's like everybody. That's everybody says they're like, dude, I am not an Instagram or a social I'm media not. guy. But uh, but yeah, um, if you, are, you know. It, or anywhere, you know, any, any time, like if you want people to get in contact with you, ask questions, maybe like young interns want to talk to you or whatever the case may be, um, you sure. know, that we don't have to do that here. Obviously, you can be in the show notes or whatever, but just let me let people know, like, where they could find you on Instagram, social media, or any other work that you want to plug, you know, now would be the time to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I always welcome uh, anybody to, to reach out to me at my, my Dartmouth email at james.m.baker at dartmouth.edu. Um, I'll have to send you what my Instagram handle is. I have no idea. <laughs> Um, I'd be able to look it up right now. Let me see. Yeah, if I, yeah. If I grab this um, but yeah, if they, that's the best one, the email and and go from there. I, I love having conversations with anybody who wants to talk anything, uh, training and stuff. So welcome it. Oh uh, yeah, it's J underscore Bakes. J oh, okay. underscore 
b-a-k-e-s yeah okay all right yeah good stuff well that dude is awesome it was good to catch up with you james man i appreciate it listeners we'll catch you guys next time but uh james stick around for a second i'm gonna get some info from you but uh yeah we'll uh we'll catch you guys next time thanks for hopping on and uh yeah james thanks man appreciate you good to see you thank you